you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 6. We're not going to have a lot of time to unpack all that I want to talk about today uh, and take a look at it probably the way we should. So we're kind of going to give an introduction to what next week we're going to be discussing. I'm talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Excuse me, Sermon on the the Lord's Prayer. I was reading that earlier today uh, as part of this sermon. talking about the Lord's Prayer. We talked last week. Our Father who art in heaven, and hallowed be your name. The Father who loves and cares and, and cherishes and adores and provides for us, a loving, doting Father. We think of him that way, and I think Jesus wanted to make sure we get that idea, our Father, but he's also in heaven. And because of that hallowed be that name. And so he begins to pray with that opening sentence that we have one who loves us, but also is the omnipotent one, Yahweh. We looked at that. His name is Yahweh, which means it's self-existent one. And he is in heaven, and his name should be revered, not only out of our mouths, but particularly from here and in the heart. And his name will be hallowed. And then he begins uh, the set of petitions. One of the three petitions that are about God is, Hallowed be your name. Lord, help us to make your name reverend and holy and and uh, glorified and magnified, not only in the world but in us. And then secondly, your kingdom come. And thirdly, your will be done on earth as it is done perfectly in heaven. And then we looked at, read over them, and I'll just remind you again, there's a second set of petitions that are about us. Give us our daily bread, Lord. Give us health. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those. And then about our righteousness. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil or the evil one. And those two subgroups, the three for him and three for us, and that those are the components of how we should pray. And we're trying to get a good handle on this and, and spending a lot of time on this because the Lord is teaching us here prayer. And the concepts about it are beautiful. And again, we, we broke it up in three and three, but there's also one and five. And the one is hallowed be thy name. Everything else serves that. That there is nothing greater we can do in our life than hallow or glorify the name of God in this world, the name of Yahweh. All those other things serve that. The kingdom coming serves the glorifying of his name. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven glorifies his name. Our bread, our forgiveness, our holiness all serve the ultimate thing. We don't glorify his name to get anything else done. Everything is to glorify him. That is the top of the pinnacle of our prayer is the hallowing of the name. And these things fit underneath. And one of the things that serve that that we will begin very briefly today to look at is your kingdom come. You know, as I sat and thought about this week, there's such a huge wealth of information in Scripture about the kingdom. Where do I even start? I could probably preach the rest of the year just on what the Bible talks about in terms of the kingdom of God. There's so many details involved in that especially as we watch on TV this week, the riots in Egypt. And the, the Muslim Brotherhood is, is getting that stirred up, and they're talking about doing it in Jordan and other countries, and that a lot of things are turning the heat up. I mean really turning the heat up in the Middle East. Scripture talks about all those things. Those precede the coming of Christ, which we believe is what brings and ushers in the kingdom of God. And so when we talk about this concept and and uh, Terry used the verse that 
Uh, he will not drink this cup with us until he drinks it new in his father's kingdom. That Jesus talked about the kingdom. What does that mean? You know, we kind of got a vague concept of what the kingdom means, and maybe we don't even thought about it much. But the word kingdom appears 155 times in the New Testament. Almost one, be one time per chapter, but not quite, but getting in that ballpark. And the Gospels, almost the word kingdom almost appears every chapter. Matthew, Mark, Luke, it's, it's in there so much. Jesus talks about that. And so what I want to do today is, is just to establish that, that the kingdom of God, whatever that means in its entirety, is what Jesus was focused on. And I want to share with you and begin to, to preempt a little bit of what we're going to talk about next week, that the kingdom of God is not some mystical, ethereal thing that, you know, we wonder, is it really going to be anything fun? Is it just playing harp on a cloud? I don't know how to play harp. That's going to be bad if that's, you know, if that's what our goal is. Or is it something grander? Is it something epic? Kingdom. Kingdom. We don't think about that very much in America because... We don't have a kingdom. We don't have a king. We have a democracy. So we're not raising this concept that everyone is to glorify the king and that we have this uh, land and this territory and, and this rule and this reign. And we're not used to that in our American culture. But just for a minute, think about it. Kingdom. What does that word mean? Well, we understand king and most of us understand dumb, but not on that level. What does kingdom mean? If it's about being dumb and having a king, hey, I'm qualified. I'm ready to go. What does kingdom mean? It means the D-O-M is from dominion, where we get domination, authority, rule, sovereignty. And so the rule and authority and the dominion of a king, this king dominion. And for us, it's Jesus is the king. Now, the scripture talks about God as king. It talks about him as savior as well. But the scriptures teach us in the gospels that all authority from the father has been given to the son. And the father is given to him to be the ruler, the king of kings, has given him authority over life and death, has given him authority for judgment purposes. <coughs> and so the kingdom of God, this rule, this dominion of God that is to come, and is and was, and we'll talk about that next week, is given to Christ to bring about. And we will look at those things that the kingdom of God was at one time here on earth, that God had dominion over the earth. Everything was the way he intended it to be without sin. It was a paradise. Animals didn't kill each other, those kind of things. And Adam and Eve were here, and God was here with us, and there was no sin. And then sin came, and temptation came, and God withdrew and the world began to spiral downward and he began to set in process the redemption of this world. And so the kingdom was on earth as it is in heaven, that there was this dominion of the righteousness of God, but that's been lost. And Jesus comes on the scene and we're going to get in this a little more next week. He talks about the kingdom is near. The kingdom is upon you because I'm here. And it, but it's in a very small sense because there is not a worldwide global rule or dominion of God. Just in the hearts of believers. We'll talk about that. <coughs> and in the ultimate kingdom, which is coming at the return of Christ, where he establishes the king domin dominion of God again on this earth. And we actually reign and rule with him. But before we 
break that apart and look at that in depth next week. I want to just dance around here in Matthew for a minute and just see the heart of Jesus as he talks about this concept of kingdom. Look at back to Matthew chapter 4. If you go back a page or so, Jesus has just been tempted by Satan. And do you remember one of the temptations? He takes him up on the pinnacle and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. These other rulers and authorities that you know, have these large chunks of land and have dominion and power and authority. And Satan says, if you bow down to me, I will give you all these kingdoms of the earth. You can rule them now and it won't have to go by the cross. In other words, you can avoid the cross and you can rule them now. So even in Satan understood what the kingdom was about. Jesus ruling over the men of this world, the kingdoms of this world. And he says, let's bypass the cross. You bow down to me and you get it now. Jesus wasn't stupid, though. He says, yes, I can get them now. Actually, I could get them without you, maybe. But yes, I could get them with you now. But they wouldn't last long before it was taken away from me when God's real kingdom comes and his dominion rules. And so he says, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going your way. And so he does, he resists the temptation to set up a kingdom then and to rule the earth. And so he gets done with the temptation and look, he begins to preach. In verse 12, he, he starts his ministry. And in his first words, in verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, first words in red, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He began to preach what? The kingdom. In Matthew, it's called the kingdom of heaven. In Luke, it's called the kingdom of God. In Mark, it's called the kingdom of God. The reason it's a little different is in Matthew, he's writing to Jewish people. And they were very careful about the name of God. Remember we talked about that? Didn't want to throw it out there a lot. And so to save that to this continual... Uh, you know, attack or use of the name of God, he just calls it the kingdom of heaven, meaning coming from there and originating from the things of God, the things of heaven. He says, from this time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so (coughs) the message that Jesus first speaks is this concept of the kingdom. And then he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Sermon on the Mount, that's what I tried to say earlier, he starts what we call the Beatitudes and the blessings, as it were. And he says in 5.3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.5, 5, Blessed are the gentle or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The inheritance of the saints, the earth is kingdom concept. Look at verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom, this rule. And then Jesus, when he teaches us to pray in the next chapter, says, here's what you pray for. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Bring it to us, Lord. We want your kingdom here. We want your rule, your dominion. And as Isaiah says, there's a day coming when the righteousness of God shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. 
which means totally. We want that dominion back. We want paradise back. We want the kingdom here. What God is calling to us, us to do through Christ in this prayer is to get involved and, and to bring ourselves up from the muck and mire of this world and get called into something eternal and to join forces with Him about this kingdom that is coming. And it's not just, you know... Laughter. It will be ruling and reigning. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That for a thousand years, we will be reestablishing the earth and, and cleaning it up after the uh, wrath of God comes on it. And there will be mortals here that we will actually be reigning and ruling over. You will be kings and priests. We're going to look at that in Revelation. That He has called us to be involved in rulership and to be involved in the redemption of the world, literally, physically, the physical earth, as well as the people who are left. He's calling to us to an epic, worldwide domination of His righteousness and His will that we are to be involved in. And so when He says, pray thy kingdom come, He's, he's praying for something enormous. And Jesus talks about it everywhere. He begins His preaching with the concept of the kingdom. And we looked at those verses there. And, and I want you to go with me over to Mark, with, if you will, for a minute. Mark chapter 1, a little different twist on this as he's writing this. Mark chapter 1, look at verse 14 and 15. And this is basically the same account that Matthew has. Jesus is just starting his ministry in verse 14. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. If you got a pen or pencil, underline that phrase, gospel of God. We hear the word gospel all the time. What does it mean? It means good news. Jesus came preaching the good news of God. Well, like you, probably, you like, what is that good news? What is the good news that God wants to tell us? Well, here it is. He came into Galilee preaching the gospel, the good news of God, and saying, okay, here it is. Here's the good news of God. The time was fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in this Good news, that the time is here, the kingdom is coming. That's Jesus' first message in Mark, first message in Matthew, except here he calls it the gospel, actually, the good news of God. In other words, at this present evil age, Paul would call it later, when, where Satan rules now, his dominion is mostly on this earth, except for a few of us who choose to come out of that. Right now, he is the prince of the power of the air. He is a ruler of this present darkness. This world is not under the dominion right now of God in the sense where he has total control and authority and where his will is being done on earth as it is being done in heaven. And so he says, here's the good news, Jesus says. Here's the good news of God. The, king, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom is starting. Now, it's not fully here yet. We don't have full dominion. You watch the news this afternoon, you'll find that out. But it's starting because I'm here. And that's the good news. The kingdom of God is coming. And this earth will be redeemed like it was meant to be. And he says, and that is the gospel and the good news. Now, of course, the gospel also includes the death and the resurrection of Christ. That is the doorway to what God's good news is, the kingdom. That to get to the kingdom, we have to come through Christ, which was the cross. And we get forgiven, we get adopted as sons, we become heirs and inherit what God promised. And he promised Abraham and his descendants that I will give you this world forever. 
you and your descendants, look as far as you can stand, north, south, east, west, look at it. As far as you can see, I will give you this world forever. Jesus, we just read that, said the same thing. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. But not this earth, the way it is now, but a glorious, redeemed earth where the dominion of the king is total, global, where sovereignty rules. Look with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. 42, we'll start there. Luke 4, 42 and 43. Talking about Jesus here. This is early on in his ministry. Luke 4, 42. When the day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. In verse 43, ready? But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus says, my purpose is to preach the kingdom good news, that this present mess is not going to last. That there is a new king coming and a new dominion, king dominion coming to this earth and set things right. And it wasn't just his message while he was waiting for his crucifixion. If you go to the book of Acts, Luke, John, Acts, <coughs> Acts chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me, look at the verse 3. This is after the resurrection of Christ and he was on the earth uh, for a few more days um, uh, and you know, spent some time here with the disciples before he was taken into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Luke, also the writer here, writes in verse 3, To these he also presented himself alive after suffering with many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and what? Speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. First words out of his mouth as he started his ministry is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The last words out of his mouth before taken to heaven was he was talking to them things concerning the kingdom of God. Why? Because it was the good news. It was the good news, the gospel, that this world was going to be set right like it was intended to be from the Garden of Eden. Look with me. Go back a few pages again, back to Luke. Chapter 22. As I said, the kingdom is, is not just hanging out. That there is a call of God to something significant where we're going to be investing our lives in people, at least for the first thousand years, who are not part of our group, not part of the immortal group at the resurrection. We don't have time. So I said we could talk for days and days on all the details of this, but there is this thousand-year reign, particularly where we're helping mortals try and understand what is all taking place, and we reign and rule over them. And look at Luke chapter 22, verse 29 and 30. Jesus says, Just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant one to you. That it's going to be our kingdom too. That you may eat and drink in my table in my kingdom, and that you will sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, he's talking to his disciples there, particularly the 12, and he says, this kingdom is going to be a rule, and you're going to be ruling over the 12 tribes of Israel. That there is actual hands-on involvement in his kingdom. And he says, you get to sit at my table. 
I never got to sit at the cool table when I was in high school. I wasn't one of the cool kids. I was just one of those brilliant ones. Well, actually, I wasn't even one of those. I sat with all the gearheads, you know. We kind of knew what was going on, and we had grease on our nails, and we were happy. You know, that's, that was us. We sat at that table. But he said, you get to sit at the king's table with me because you're part of me. But, you know, the thing, well, that's just the 12. They get to rule the 12 tribes of Israel. Go to the last book, Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, at verse 10. John is seeing this incredible vision of the future events. And he said, he heard them singing a song in verse 9, Worthy are thou to take the book to break its seal, for you were slain, talking about Jesus, and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, every tongue, and people and nation. And so it's not just the 12 tribes, and it's just not just for the Jews anymore. He said, this is for the whole world. He says, you have bought them with your blood, all these people. And then look what he says in verse 10. You, Jesus, have made them to be a kingdom. There it is again. And priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. It's not just the earth there that's important. It's the reigning. That we will reign. We are going to be kings. Kings and queens. And priests of God. And we will be serving the people of this earth. For that first thousand years particularly. It's a different setting than the rest of the time. But he said, all these tongues and tribes that you have bought with your blood, and you have made them to be kings and priests and to reign with you on this earth. I want you to go back to one final verse, Colossians, if you can find that. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. The kingdom of God is the dominion of the king. And as I said, this world already has a dominion going on, and it's not of God right now, that there's a prince and a ruler of this present evil age, and it's Satan. And his dominion is a dominion of darkness. The dominion of Christ that is partial right now within us, the body of Christ, is the kingdom of light. And look what Paul says here to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, qualified us, to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. There's that inheritance of the kingdom. Verse 13, For he rescued us from the domain or the dominion of darkness and transferred us to what? The kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have the redemption and the forgiveness of sins. There is a truth that everyone in this world has to come to, and I'm going to share with you right now. And it's an essential truth. If you do not choose Christ, you are already in a dominion, in a kingdom. You are choosing, by not choosing Christ, to stick with Satan. And he can give you things in this world now, just like he promised them to Jesus, but they will not last. And it says it is through the blood and the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ that we have been rescued from his domination, his dominion, his kingdom. His dumb really means dumb on his side. We've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of darkness, and we have been transferred, our memberships, into the kingdom of his beloved son, which is the kingdom of light and hope 
and eternity. Satan can't offer you eternity. Christ can. And so we have one question before us today. It's not whether you're under dominion or not. You are under dominion. The question is, would you like to get transferred out of the dominion of darkness and be transferred into the dominion of his son, which is light and life and hope? You can get transferred. And you can do it real easy. And that is choose Christ as your Lord, King, and Savior. You've been listening to Thy Kingdom Come, a ministry of the Lawrenceville Church of God, Springfield, Ohio.